today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantan. The foundation of our unity cannot be anything but Jesus. We must strive again and again and again to make and keep and guard the foundation of this place to be Jesus. We believe in many other things. Many other things are important to us. Many other things are important to you, but this one thing should tower in importance over everything we do in a church and everything we do in our relationships with one another. Hope in God, oh my soul, He is strong and He is strong to save. last prayer that Jesus prayed to the Father before going to the cross, he desired that his disciples and the church would remain unified in him. As Pastor Ricky continues his series on Jesus being our one and only cornerstone, he'll be explaining how the church has no reason to be divided. As Christians, we may not agree on every aspect of the Word of God, but as long as we agree on the foundation of Jesus and the core fundamentals of our faith, we should be unified. Now, let's join Pastor Ricky for part two of his message entitled, Cornerstone. In worship and prayer, we commune with God. We relate to Him. When we sing songs like the songs we've sung today, that He is a strong tower or that He is a cornerstone. When we sing truth about God, it regrounds us that God and Christ and His work are the foundation of our lives. And I'll say this, this is why we at Cross of Grace care about doctrine. Uh, sometimes I hear people say, can't we just love Jesus? Why do we have to have a doctrinal statement? Why do we have to have a new members class where we have to learn things that the church believes? Doctrine is so divisive. We should just open wide the doors and let everybody believe whatever they want and just come in. But friends, here's the reality. Caring about theology and doctrine guards the foundation of our Christian life. We set boundaries of what the, the foundation of our faith should look like, and we're very careful when, when it begins to, well, to be influenced by things that creep into the foundation. That's why it matters. It's our foundation, but it's also our pattern in our daily Christian lives. Uh, our salvation is grounded in Christ. Our sanctification continues in Christ. We are disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, because of all that Jesus has done for us. And in light of this, we abandon everything. We leave our nets and we follow Jesus, as Jonathan was preaching last week. There is a constant conforming of our lives to the pattern of Jesus. It, it affects everything about us, the way we think about our free time and our money and our relationships and our jobs and our families, everything. And we're patterned counterintuitively. See, the world prizes strength and power and being impressive, but the pattern of our lives is utterly different it's the life of Christ. Our Christian lives are not spent trying to get strong and powerful and elevated and noble. Our pattern is Jesus who went to the cross for the joy set before him so that as we go through our Christian lives, we get weaker and weaker and less notable so that Christ can get bigger and bigger and more powerful and more known. What is exerting the most force on your life right now? What pattern is influencing you the most? 
Is it Jesus? Is it the pattern of Jesus? And let me make one comment here. This is also why we at Cross of Grace Church care about the Spirit of God. Jesus did his ministry in the power of the Spirit, and he promised that it would be better for him to go so that the Spirit could come to us. And then in Acts 2, we see the fulfillment of that promise. We see the Spirit fall on all the believers to empower them to live the life the way that Jesus lived life. To be gospel-centered for us, friends, means to be Spirit-empowered. To be a follower of Jesus means to follow Jesus in living in the power of the Spirit. We see Jesus as our foundation and our pattern. Let's talk about our community now, our community. Now, as we talked about last week, coming to Christ means coming to his work of building the church. Uh, You can't follow Jesus without following Jesus into his work of building But what is the foundation of our community as a church? Well, Paul lays it out in Ephesians chapter 2. He says this, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Now, Paul is speaking into the the, the, the tension between Jews and Gentiles, and there was no greater cultural chasm in the first century than that between Jews and Gentiles. Religiously separated, culturally separated, what they ate separated, how they lived life separated, what clothes they wore separated, what occupations they had separated. And Paul is saying, in Christ, not only did God reconcile us vertically, but also horizontally such that the foundation of our community is Jesus. The foundation of our unity is Jesus. In the midst of tragedy, you're not caring as much about a lot of things that you care about. You're not caring as much about the style of music or the style of the preacher, right? You're not caring as much about people you're comfortable relating to. You're hurting, you're looking for answers, you're looking for hope, and you know what unites people like no one else? Jesus. The foundation of our unity cannot be anything but Jesus. We must strive again and again and again to make and keep and guard the foundation of this place to be Jesus. We believe in many other things. Many other things are important to us. Many other things are important to you, but this one thing should tower in importance over everything we do in a church and everything we do in our relationships with one another. So let me ask you a question right now. What is keeping you in your seat at Cross of Grace Church? Why did you show up today? It's because you like the band. You like somebody here. You like, you have a friend. Those are not bad reasons, but friends, let, 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 me, let me urge us that this must be everything to us. And not only should it be our foundation, it should be our pattern. 
Um, our pattern for relationships and love within the body of Christ must be patterned after Jesus. We are to love one another the way that Jesus has loved us. We are to lay our lives down for one another the way Jesus laid his life down for us. We are to serve one another the way that he served us. Mike told me about a powerful prayer meeting with about 150 pastors in Charleston, both white and black. And uh, Emmanuel AME was right next to a huge and prominent, basically white-only church in Charleston. Um, And in that church, that pastor invited everyone to come to his church. And in that pastor, in the midst of the prayer meeting, one of the things that the pastor felt led to do was to point out that the balcony that was built in the church was originally built for slaves. And then he proceeded to invite one of the prominent African-American church leaders in that community onto the stage. And this white pastor washed his feet. And one of the things Mike said was it helped them realize so many of the things that they're like, well, we can't do that. We don't do that. All gets broken down by the gospel. Conflict, no conflict is impossible with the gospel of Jesus Christ to reconcile. No distant relationship is impossible to be restored with the gospel of Jesus Christ. No tension, whether it's racial or ethnic or economic or whatever, cannot be reconciled by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this is why we care at Cross of Grace about relationships and reconciliation. We want to get people close to one another, close enough to actually love one another this way. We don't just want to stay distant from one another on Sunday morning. We want to strive to get uncomfortably close in gospel unity. And I want to say this, I've often seen um, as our church has been, God's been doing some awesome stuff in our church over the last year or so. What I've often seen though is a pattern in ministry and what I often see as a pattern in scripture is when when you're being used to advance the gospel, there are often challenges in the area of relationships and unity. Because Satan knows that if he can't hit you on mission, he can hit you on unity and break you up. When change occurs, like it's occurred in our church, we start to emphasize preferences, or I like the way we used to do things, or I like the way we're doing things now, or things begin to divide. Change has a divisive effect. It can at times. And friends, I'm zealous that we strive for gospel unity in the midst of this. We hold Jesus first and foremost. We hold then doctrines and practices that most uplift and glorify Jesus. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff down here that we just cover in love. You think the lights are weird that we installed? Cover it in love. (laughs) You don't like some of my mannerisms when I preach. I don't either. Cover it in love, right? You don't like that one song we sing. And you think, oh, here we go, that song. Picked a Sunday to show up. Yep, cover it in love. You think your community group leader could lead a little bit differently or this way or that way. He's not heretical. I don't like the snacks at my group. Cover it in love, friends. This is why we also care about ethnic diversity and unity. We should not be content to have one kind of person in our church. As I said before, I I don't, I said this a couple weeks ago, I I don't want to build a Hispanic church, and I don't want to build a white church, and I don't want to build a military church, and I don't want to build an African-American church. I am zealous that this church reflect the unity of Jesus Christ. Because there's so much, even in a place like El Paso, there's so much division, especially between, and let me speak into this just for a second, especially between first, second, and third generation Hispanic people. 
and between them and the military community and between the military community and all the Hispanic people and whoever else is here, right? <laughs> She's like, man, I don't even fit either of those two boxes. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how I got here. And some of the worst of it can be in that Hispanic community between people who identify consciously as Americans or people who identify consciously as more Mexican-American or Mexican. And friends, I, I want to I urge us, let's strive to cross boundaries for the sake of the gospel. And it starts on Sunday morning. It starts with you seeing somebody that you think, I don't probably have any point of connection with them. And you know what? That's the person you go up and talk to. They're coming from, they're more of that kind of a Hispanic person. Great, your new best friend <laughs> in the gospel. I'm, I'm zealous for this, guys. I, I, I don't want us to be a church of one kind of person. I want it to be a church of Jesus' people. One last thing, this is why we care about hospitality. We wanna welcome others into fellowship the way Jesus has welcomed us into fellowship with him. Jesus has thrown wide the doors and brought us in. So let's be people that throw wide the doors of our lives and bring others into our lives. And last, let's talk about mission. Cover disciple, cover community. Now let's cover mission. Um, the way that we relate to the world must be grounded in Jesus and patterned after Jesus. I was at a conference last week where I heard from a church planter, not, not from our network of churches even, just a, a guy that was speaking at this conference I was at, and he felt led to uh, start a church in New York City, which is a formidable task in and of itself. And he felt led to start a church in an area called Hell's Kitchen in New York City. Now, if there's any area that would have like a do not enter Christian like sign on it, it would probably be Hell's Kitchen. And Hell's Kitchen is largely known for two kinds of people. Uh, financial people who don't give a rip about God or religion, they're there to make money, and a huge homosexual community. And so this is the area the guy's like, you know what, I think would be good there. And, and, and one of the things he said that was so helpful to us is he said he, he, over the years, was real passionate about certain evangelistic or missional strategies or methods or ways of doing things. And there was one even like missional kind of strategy that he, he said he helped pioneer this whole strategy and realized a few years in, yeah, it's not working as like well as we <laughs> thought it was. We, it's not working as well as we thought it was when we wrote the book about it. So in order to go tell everybody, it doesn't work as well. So uh, that's what he did kind of at the conference. But you know what he said? He said they overestimated how important their missional methods were, but underestimated how crucial and powerful the gospel, the raw, unfiltered gospel was. In our foundation, when we think about reaching El Paso, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to do good to the city around us? Sure. Are we trying to be nice? Are we trying to be caring? Are we supposed to do a lot of really good community things that get us on the news and everyone claps for us and says, oh, that's a nice church? Those things are good, but they are not the foundation of our mission. Our mission, as Paul says, is one thing. It is utterly and brutally simple. Christ and him crucified. Our mission to the world cannot be good works, that, that you do good things like us and be good people like us, and then God will bless you. That cannot be our message. Our, our mission to the world can't be, well, have some spirituality, get some with us, and maybe you should check it out and maybe become part of your life. No, 
Uh, our mission of the world can't be um, just good deeds, that we do things that help people and we give away a lot of blankets and shots and soccer balls, and that's where we stop. Our mission of the world cannot be good advice. Listen, I, I really want to emphasize this. It cannot be that we give people some tips on how to have a better marriage or be more positive or manage their money better. I, I have become burdened more and more as I see that the content of many churches is wrapped up in fine stuff, in good stuff that is not the gospel. And it's not that it's bad. Okay, being a positive person or a grateful person is a great thing. But if we proclaim that stuff at the expense of proclaiming Jesus Christ and, his cru and him crucified, it's not like we've missed it a little bit. We have failed. We have utterly failed. Friends, we must, as a church, have as our heartbeat always, only, constantly Jesus. That the thing that will solve the ills in El Paso is Jesus. That's the only thing that ultimately on an eternal level will fix the problems of this city and our country and our world. And this is why we, I'm gonna get to this in a minute, we do good things, we do mercy ministry, but we prioritize gospel proclamation in our outreach. John Piper says it this way, we are to care as Christians about all suffering, especially eternal suffering because it does no good to give a kid a soccer ball and a shot and pat him on the head and send him to hell. But there is something that no shot or soccer ball can give that kid. Should we give him those things? Yes. But should we hold out to him hope in this life and life to come? Yes. Yes. It's our foundation, but it's also our pattern. Everything we do as a church must be patterned around our cornerstone, Jesus. Uh, as a pastor, I get emails and letters and magazines and ads about how to revolutionize everything. Everybody's trying, constantly trying to revolutionize everything. If, you, if, you've, if you've been at a Christian bookstore, it's, it's revolutionizing our kids' ministry, our prayer lives, our worship, our preaching, our, our music, our band, or whatever. Everything's being revolutionized. Okay, good, good, okay. Those are fine things. But the question for us in light of this text is this. Is our methodology and the what we do in church drawing attention away from Christ or putting the spotlight on Christ ever brighter and more clearly? We must, we must reject any method that even seems good that diminishes or blurs or obscures the message of Jesus Christ. The way we do ministry must be shaped by him and him crucified. So look, I'm with I'm good with these lights that we have to help people see better so people aren't like preaching in the dark. But when the lights and the screen obscure Jesus instead of highlighting him, we've got a problem, okay? When, I, when they're playing the final countdown and one of our pastors walks out in a bunch of smoke, please leave. That's distracting. I'm good with innovative outreach strategies, but at the core of the strategy must be Jesus. And it must be done in, the way, in a way that does not distract, but rather attracts to Jesus. And that's why one of our goals in all of our ministry is to be undistracting. I want our singing to be good and undistracting so that we can focus on Jesus. I want our preaching to be good and undistracting and focused on Jesus. I talked to a pastor um, recently who who's sharing a, a prayer need, and uh, he, was, he was praying that 
Um, he asked people to pray that, that they'd be able to update the music in their church so they could get more young people. He was, he was a very, he's a godly man, sincere man. This is a prayer request. Please pray we get better music so we can get more young people. It's commendable aim. But I know this guy. He loves Jesus. And I thought, you know what? Young people need, they don't need music that caters to their tastes. The world can give them that better. Okay? Our worship will never be better than you two, okay? If we're trying to make our worship and stuff attractive so that we pull people out of the world, it's never going to work. But we do have something that the world does not have. Jesus and people who live and look like Jesus. So what I thought, what I wanted to encourage this pastor with is, brother, you look like Jesus. The way you love your wife and your family looks like Jesus. That's what young people need. And that's the way we want to do ministry. This is also why we do care about mercy ministry and service to our city. These good works, Titus says, adorn the gospel. They set it into a picture frame. So we should care deeply about our city. We're not supposed to ignore our city or, or kind of bury our head in the sand and go, whatever, with the city. I'm only caring about the church. No, we're supposed to weep with the city when there's tragedy. We're supposed to rejoice with the city when, when jobs come to the city. We're supposed to love and serve and lay our lives down. And I'm so grateful that so many of you do this in your community groups and in your personal lives. I love this. You know what that does? When it's done well, that puts the gospel on display with a beautiful picture frame that makes it pop so that when people see what you're doing, they see Jesus. So let me end with this. If, if you could have all the trappings of church Without the cornerstone, would you be satisfied? If you could have the best music, the best inspirational talk, the best community, the best um, social programs, the best stuff for your kids, would you be satisfied? Peter says, no. Let there be a hunger and a yearning for the gospel. I'd love for the worship band to come, and I'm going to end in a time of prayer. But I want to read you one quote to close from Ray Ortland, from a book I recommend called The Gospel, How the Church Portrays the Beauty of Christ. He says this, gospel doctrine and gospel culture do not coexist by lucky chance. The doctrine, meaning this, this undergirding, this foundation of Jesus, creates and sustains the culture. The way we live together in our churches grows out of what we believe together. So the gospel must land on each of us personally. You and I must believe the gospel for ourselves first and foremost, but the gospel also creates a new kind of community, a gospel culture called a church. The doctrine of grace creates a culture of grace where good things happen to bad people. A gracious church culture proves that Jesus is the Holy One who forgives sinners, the King who befriends his enemies, the genius who counsels failures. Hope in God, oh my soul, He is strong and He's strong to save. Hope in God, He's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Hope is something that many people have little of, and yet we clamor for the latest this or that, believing that our longing for hope will be fulfilled. Pastor Ricky will be teaching through the book of 1 Peter here on Better News Radio. We'll learn that hope is something that is beyond this world and that our lives will become holy once we hope in the eternal. 
For more information, email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. Sometimes it is just easier to call. Our phone number is 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 915-562-7100. You can learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website, betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at betternewsradio.com. That's betternewsradio.com. You'll also find contact information, driving directions to the church, and details about activities and upcoming events on our website. We also encourage you to follow the Better News Radio Twitter feed at Cross of Grace EP, where Ricky tweets additional thoughts about the messages you hear on Better News Radio. Or connect with us on Facebook at Cross of Grace EP. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Better News Radio. Better News Radio.